uh, today instead of reading, uh, you know, the last two weeks I didn't uh, give you IKKV uh, version uh, because uh, very uh, simple, straightforward. So I didn't give you. Uh, and then th this one, instead of reading uh, on your own, uh, we are going to read it together. Uh, so after a brief introduction, uh, we are going to uh, read that. So before uh, we move on, uh, I mean, uh, I have uh, kind of summarized every uh, uh, time uh, when we uh, started uh, because uh, it, is, it is important that uh, it is uh, ingrained uh, within us. Instead of listening to uh, my lecture and then you say, yeah, I understand. Uh, that is one step, uh, one level. Another level is it has to be kind of uh, within your own uh, understanding that you have a, a kind of uh, uh, logical progression of what Paul is talking about. And also, I, what I'm giving you is a very, uh, 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 it's not just uh, about generally about uh, Paul's letter to Romans, but one specific theme that I'm uh, really uh, focusing on, and then that specific theme, I, I think, is the core of Paul's theology. That's why I'm really focusing on that. And then in Paul's, uh, so I don't just explain what Paul is saying. I'm trying to uh, get to the root level of Paul's thinking. Uh, what was going on in Paul's mind uh, uh, when he wrote a uh, uh, letter to Romans? And then I think the key word uh, for Paul, the key word, uh, if I may ask you, what would be the key word for Paul's letter to Romans? What would be the key word? Great, great. You guys are doing really, really well. Very good, very good. That is a key word. He tries to establish what righteousness says. Because he believes that every human being wants to be righteous. Because that's a, a way to be happy, especially as a Jew. Uh, he has to be righteous to be a happy person. I, and I believe that. We have to be righteous to be a happy person. If you're not righteous, you're not going to be happy. So it is important that uh, we be righteous. Uh, as a, as a, we, we believe that we human beings were created uh, in God's image. And God's image is this image, righteousness. God is righteous. God is holy. And so uh, we are created, we human beings are, cre are created in God's image. That means that we carry His righteousness. So we search for righteousness. We seek for righteousness. And then uh, our soul and spirit uh, move towards uh, the righteousness. And uh, that's what Paul uh, and, all, and uh, also all the Jews uh, strive to achieve righteousness. Uh, so Paul's uh, conversion is not really from bad person to right person. So uh, he was seeking righteousness in a way, but the righteousness that he was seeking and the righteousness uh, that he thought he achieved was not righteousness. He realized that's his conversion, understanding that righteousness that he was 
striving after, seeking after, was not righteousness. What did he discover? The righteousness that he was striving after, what was that? Good. Instead of righteousness he achieved, he the what he achieved was self-righteousness. So he didn't achieve righteousness. He only achieved self-righteousness rather than righteousness. And then self-righteousness, if it is kind of 90% or 70%, 60% of righteousness, then that's okay. At least you achieve uh, 60% of righteousness. So, so that's still not harmful. It's good. It's okay. But self-righteousness self self that he achieved instead of righteousness was not 60% of righteousness, but rather the opposite of the enemy or the opposite of righteousness. So in, in other words, the zero righteousness, rather negative righteousness that he achieved, he realized. That was his conversion. He thought that he was righteous, but he realized that he was not righteous. And this self-righteousness, and the biggest problem, and this self-righteousness, the biggest problem was what? What was the biggest problem of self-righteousness? Huh? What was the biggest problem of self-righteousness? I mean, uh, he was supposed to achieve that, but he didn't achieve that. And what was the biggest problem of self-righteousness? Blindness. Huh? Blindness. Exactly. <laughs> Blindness. That was the problem. It uh, made us blind to uh, our condition. It made us blind to God. It made us blind to life. So, this Blindness caused tremendous darkness in human life. And then he believes that the cause of this blindness is the sin. Our sin, in other words, we human beings try to achieve righteousness, and our sin, okay, how do I draw this? If I'm an artist, but it was going supposed to be like this. You're supposed to get to righteousness somehow, but sin, when sin combined, it went to so. 
That's what he believed. Sin by itself cannot do it. Sin plus law. Law was supposed to get us to righteousness. But instead of getting us to righteousness, law with sin, sin using the law, led us into self-righteousness. And that self-righteousness caused blindness. And blindness made us totally vain. And whatever we do has become futile. And then we try all our best, but nothing really worked. So Christian life is about having our eyes opened. And so we see our brokenness, but also at the same time, we see the power of God's grace. These two things Christians uh, see always, never forget. First, our brokenness. But brokenness cannot destroy us. Because at the same time with brokenness, we see the power of God's grace. These two things always combine together. So the combination is not law plus sin. The combination is brokenness plus God's, the power of God's grace. That is a combination for Christians. Uh, okay, so do you understand uh, the whole uh, outline of what Paul's uh, main skeleton of Paul's thinking? So then today Logic uh, is like this. Uh, in Paul's uh, impractical uh, application, self-righteousness That is basically uh, what Paul is saying. Our self-righteousness causes judgmental attitude because we are, uh, we are blind, and then that causes uh, division in the community. And division not only in the community, division between God and you, and then uh, you and your neighbor. So all kinds of divisions uh, occur because of self-righteousness. 
And then righteousness uh, causes uh, understanding and empathy, and that uh, creates a reconciliation and a harmony. And that's basically Paul's uh, uh, practical application here uh, when you uh, look at it. Uh, you have to understand Roman church a little bit. Even though it is, uh, they were Christians, uh, they got the Paul's, Paul's message. But I don't know how many people really understood uh, Paul's message. Because in that group, there was a tremendous uh, division, uh, conflicts, and uh, uh, fights uh, among, the, among Christians. And that's why, not only among Christians, but Christians and Jews and all that stuff. That's why Nero... I am not Nero. Before Nero. Who's that? Hmm? Claudius. Claudius kicked them out. Kicked all of them out from Rome. Uh, but Nero came, uh, came and then he brought them in because there were a lot of conflicts uh, within the Roman church and then uh, between Jews and Christians but also among Christians. Uh, what are the conflicts that we see? Uh, conflicts is like this. Uh, similar to our conflict, uh, rich and poor, privileged and then underprivileged ones. And so uh, the rich and privileged ones, uh, they were able to eat uh, meat and drink wine, no problem. Because uh, uh, they were always in a high society, but when you are in high society, you have no choice but to eat meat. Uh, and then uh, there was a why uh, uh, why eating meat is a problem. Uh, the, 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 all the meat uh, during that time were given to idols first, so they they were used as a sacrifice to idols, and then after that uh, they came to the market, uh, so the people bought uh, the meat and then used it. But poor people could not buy uh, meat, so that it was no problem. But rich people. Uh, but uh, when they go to weddings or social function, uh, always they were uh, meat, so they were eating and then, and then in Paul's mind, no problem. You can eat uh, meat, even if it was sacrificed uh, to idols. Uh, in Paul's uh, theology, uh, or Paul's mind, there's nothing wrong with that. Drinking wine or uh, eating meat, uh, in Paul's mind, there's nothing wrong uh, with that. Uh, and uh, because we are free uh, from uh, those things, so uh, that's what Paul. I mean, in other letters, he really uh, described much more in detail. But here too, uh, he doesn't uh, describe in detail. But he just uh, basically says that uh, if you are strong in faith, you can eat meat and drink wine. Uh, that's no problem. But when you are uh, weak in faith, then you only eat vegetables. That's what Paul is saying in today's uh, scripture. You only eat vegetable, and because uh, you are scared uh, of being, uh, you know, uh, contaminated. But if you are strong, you can handle that. That's what Paul is saying. So that's uh, those who are strong in faith. And uh, but it's kind of very different from Korean churches, right? Korean churches. If you are strong in faith, you don't drink. And if you are strong in faith, you don't do this. <laughs> But in that time, if you're strong in faith, you drink and uh, eat uh, meat. And then if you're, not, if you're weak in faith, you only eat vegetable. Uh, but strong one, and then, but among them, they were fighting. Uh, that uh, the, 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 those who only ate vegetable, 
they judged uh, the, uh, those who ate uh, meat. And those who ate meat, they kind of ridiculed it. That's, uh, you know, kind of uh, looked down upon uh, those who uh, only ate vegetables. And now Paul is talking about uh, what we should do as Christians. That's a kind of uh, background. So let us uh, read Romans uh, 14, 1 to 12. So I didn't, uh, I didn't put Romans 13. It's about, uh, you know, you give uh, authority to the government. But actually what Paul is saying is another topic. Paul is saying it's not really uh, us uh, obey uh, the government. He gives a message to government. Your authority came from God. So you should not use it. Uh, so, but I skipped it. Uh, some other time I'll deal with it. But for our purpose, for righteousness, I just chose a certain part of uh, from chapter 13 to chapter 15. So 1 to 12. Uh, first paragraph. Ina, can you please kindly read it for us? Okay, good. Okay. Uh, they did just wonderful job. Very for several weeks. Let's uh, get it. I'm coming The problem of uh, self-righteousness, the uh, problem of self-righteousness is that they wanted to prove that they are right. Uh, to self-righteous people, uh, being right is the most important thing. I live right. I do things right. I'm always right. Uh, that is the most important thing in their life. That is their God. Uh, their being right is their God. In, 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 in some ways, that is their idol. That me being right. They can never be wrong. They can never uh, be mistaken. And that's how uh, Paul thought of himself. He said, as far as law is concerned, I am blameless. I'm flawless. So that was so important. Me being right, me being righteous is the most important. But in the process of proving that they are right, they developed the biggest problem in the community. Uh, that biggest problem in the community was judgmental attitude. You know, as you develop your own rightness, somehow, in the process, without you realizing it, you have developed, you develop not only self-righteousness, but judgmental attitude. You look at other people with judgmental attitude. And Jesus also uh, worried very much about judgmental attitude. Jesus said, do not even judge. Do not even judge. That, that uh, harsh language uh, Jesus used because you'll be judged with the same judgment as you judge others. Uh, so uh, he was very strong on this judgmental attitude. Uh, and that is a deadly weapon of sin. When sin is combined with the law, the, not only self-righteousness but judgmental attitude became the uh, deadly uh, weapon uh, of sin. And uh, with that judgmental attitude, not only you kill your spirit, you kill other people's spirit. You know, when you're around uh, judgmental people, then you just, uh, your spirit dies. It's a uh, vexation to your soul. 
Who, who, who said that? Oh. Huh? Don't be around with people who are judgmental. They are vexation to your soul. <sighs> anyway, uh, so, so that judgmental attitude kills our spirit uh, and it kills other people's spirit. Uh, people don't know that judgmental attitude is worse sin than other kinds of sin. Uh, they don't know that that is a worse thing. They don't even know that that is so bad. Because they, they, they think that they are always right. So they don't even know that they, they are so uh, bad. Because you become blind again. You become blind to your own darkness. You become blind to the righteousness that comes from God. You never taste the righteousness that comes from God. When you're judgmental, when you're self-righteous, you can never experience the power of God's grace. You can never experience that righteousness. Only righteousness is possible from God. Not, not in me. Not from me. Only righteousness is uh, uh, possible only from God. And then you, don't, you become blind uh, to that. So judgmental attitude is very harmful. Very harmful to our spirituality. And then, the people who enter into Christianity in the beginning, they are so hot, they are so uh, excited, they experience God's grace in the beginning, but soon their temptation is they enter into self-righteousness. That's the biggest uh, temptation. And then, that's a uh, because, you know, people who are so excited about God, so excited about, uh, God's, uh, God, uh, uh, about uh, God's work and, and all that, you cannot really turn them away from God. So what Satan does is, you turn them into self-righteousness. That's so easy. You just have to change the direction a little bit. Then you are so devoted to God and all of a sudden, and you become going to self-righteousness, and you become ugly. The fruit, the result is ugly. So we have to cultivate and build ourselves with humility so that we continue uh, in that humility rather than entering into self-righteousness. But, but the biggest temptation is we enter into uh, uh, self-righteousness and soon judgmental attitude is developed and then that is deadly and that is very harmful to your spirituality and to the spirituality of the community. You become very narrow and dogmatic. You know uh, what the scariest, ca scariest cancer is? The scariest cancer is a cancer that you don't know. That's the scariest cancer. You don't even know that you have cancer. You don't even know that it is cancer. Eat, eating you up day by day and at the end, my goodness, I'm ruined. Same thing. Judgment and self-righteousness. You don't even know that that is sin. That's why it eats you up and at the end, you turn around, oh my goodness, what happened to me? I was busy proving that I am right and I ruined everybody else, including myself. If that was kind of God's righteousness, then Paul is saying that he may be right, 
but he doesn't, uh, he didn't save the uh, universe. God's righteousness is from love. God's righteousness is love. I mean, he could say that, oh, you deserve all the punishment, you all die. And I'm right still. God could say that. But while we are yet sinners, while we are yet unrighteous, Jesus Christ died for us. And that love was God's righteousness. And that righteousness is very different from our self-righteousness. Right path is this. The more you understand God's grace, the more you die to yourself. That's the right path. The more you understand God's grace, the more you die to yourself. The self becomes bigger, but your awareness of self becomes smaller. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you understand God's grace, you become bigger, actually, as a person. You become a bigger person. But your awareness of yourself becomes smaller. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's two different things. One, actually, in actuality, you become a bigger person. I mean, of course, when, you, when you're a Christian, you don't become a smaller person. When you become a Christian, you become a bigger person. But your, your awareness of yourself becomes smaller and smaller. Self-righteousness is led into judgmental attitude and the awareness of the self becomes bigger. It's a wrong path. It's a wrong path. Also, it's gone. Wrong path that we're taking. So when you when you become bigger and bigger awareness-wise, then oh, I'm in the wrong path. You have to understand. Uh, but uh, when the grace more powerfully works within you, your awareness becomes smaller and smaller. So now, uh, before we actually get into judgmental attitude, we're going to explore a little bit more on judgmental attitude. I want, I want to give you time to discuss together. Uh, Romans uh, 14, 7 and 8 in your Bible. Uh, Romans 14, 7 and 8. When you look at it, we do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. In other words, Jesus becomes so important that you don't become that important. You don't die to yourself. You don't live to yourself. Whatever you do, you die to the, uh, for the Lord. You live to, uh, to the Lord. So Jesus becomes uh, the uh, key. In other words, you don't become the key. Uh, so, uh, now, discuss together, what is judgmental attitude? And how is it harmful, harmful in the community? So, what is judgmental attitude? And how is it harmful in the community? So, let us, uh, I mean, you're not talking about somebody else. Oh, that person is judgmental. You're talking about yourself, right? <laughs> uh, uh, what is judgmental uh, attitude? And how is it harmful uh, in the community? So, discuss together. <laughs> I, 
I think you are having a great discussion. You want more time? No, I, think yeah? okay. I mean, we'll, we'll uh, work together. So, can, can you share some of your, so as a whole group, uh, let us uh, see. So, what is judgmental attitude and how is it harmful to the community? <clears throat> they, they had a very philosophical uh, comment. Wow. Do you want to say something on that? <laughs> I think it was Kim. <laughs> prejudice comes and all the uh, racial division and you know all kinds of uh, ugly things come. Good. Anything else? <clears throat> yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so we were talking about how not only do you do people judge other people, but do you people feel like you're being judged. Whether the person's telling you or not. Right. Christians uh, have committed that crime, that sin of judging other people and making other people uh, less uh, inferior uh, to you and all that. Yeah. So, good. Other? Yeah. No? We, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think, uh, like, prejudice is, uh, you know, judgmental attitude. Like, yeah. uh, when we see people the first time, it's just, you know, first impression is very important. Started it really nicely, mm. but and and part is really like um, that's right, yeah. very ugly. So yeah. it's very harmful yeah. to your community. Mm. 
you struggle with the prayer topic, actually. And it <laughs> becomes a gossip. <laughs> Let's pray together. And then you talk about prayer topics and it becomes a gossip. <laughs> so be careful with prayer rules. Okay. Anything else? I mean, our Quentin's group uh, also raised a question about, you know, we are always making judgment. Is that being judgmental? That kind of thing. So, yeah, Peter. Yeah, kind of like on that line, like all, we we're saying, um, critical thinking is not a bad thing. Like um, mm -hmm. understanding and empathy. Like we're trying to like understand different people in the community, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so you have to sort of almost bucket them. As, but um, I guess the fine line is sort of the minute you're putting value into, you know, that's good or bad. Very much, yeah. Uh, critical thinking and judgmental attitude is the same thing. Uh, we don't have critical thinking, so things like that are very important. And when you raise kids and uh, you just let them be, not being judgmental, uh, you don't really uh, let them know uh, what is right and wrong. Is that being judgmental? Or all kinds of things, uh, right? Uh, we have to really uh, think about it. So. We know that judgmental attitude is an attitude. It's not what you say or what you do necessarily on the surface. On the surf surface, you can be a very, very humble person and a very, very understanding person. But when you get down to the root, oh, this person has a judgmental attitude right from the beginning. I thought this person was understanding me. But at the end of it, when you look at it, this person has a tremendously judgmental attitude. So it is not really what's, what looks like on the surface. It is inner attitude. What's going on in your attitude? Uh, it is how you perceive yourself and others. Uh, so I kind of uh, reflect on it and then jot it down. Uh, a few things about judgment. About five things I wrote down. But one, um, Judgmental attitude is an attitude of putting yourself above others and considering others lower than yourself. Uh, so it's not just making a critical uh, uh, statement, but you, as a person, you think you're better than uh, uh, the other person. Rather than, oh, you're strong in that area, uh, and then you're weak in that area. Instead of saying that, uh, because you're weak in that area, you're worse than me. You're inferior to me. It's kind of that kind of value judgment. And then two, it is an attitude resulted from prejudice rather than deep knowledge. It is a lack of knowledge. Our judgment uh, should be based on depth of our knowledge. But many people's strong judgments are based on prejudice, stereotype, shallow understanding, and snapshot understanding. As uh, she said, you just immediately look at it, you make a judgment uh, about that person. 
the more you get to know, you, you realize that the less certain you become. Only novice will say, I know it all. But when you get to know, have a deeper knowledge, you, you will say, I'm not sure. That might be, uh, you know, because uh, you know all other possibilities. When you narrow it down, you can say, I know. But when you expand your knowledge, it is, it's not as simple as that. Uh, so the more you get to know, the less certain you become. And three, it is an attitude of painting a person with that person's weaknesses. Uh, for example, oh, he's, all, he's always so opinionated. And then he, he becomes an opinionated person. Uh, anything else uh, doesn't matter. He's an opinionated person. Oh, she's always cheap. Or, or he's always rude. Uh, you know, it is uh, that kind of, it is to the degree of being damaging and harmful uh, to that person. Uh, sometimes I feel uh, that in this uh, Christian church in Canada, and many years, I mean, me being a Korean was so strong that they don't see anything else. <laughs> Whenever Korean matter comes, they come to me, but all other matters, they don't really uh, ask me. So I'm a Korean expert, but only Korean, uh, but nothing else. Uh, that kind of thing. It can be uh, later, it can be harmful because it, uh, it limits you, uh, reduces you in a certain box. Uh, Number four, we evaluate other people from our narrow value system. Uh, that's judgmental attitude. Uh, for example, each person, each uh, people uh, has certain value system. Uh, for example, when you eat, be quiet. That's your family value. So you have to be quiet. When you talk, then oh. Why are they talking when they eat? Or don't leave food unfinished. You gotta finish your, you know, there's some leftover food. <laughs> you cannot have leftover food. You have to finish it. Uh, so some families have that. And then if you don't do that, and for Christians, uh, uh, some uh, churches and some denominations teach uh, don't drink, don't go to theater. So if you drink or if you go to theater, then you're not very good Christian. So that, that kind of value system. Uh, so, and the value system is so uh, narrow. Uh, so, and then you judge other people's good or bad with your value system, your narrow value system. And number five, it is an attitude of closing down all the potentials of that person uh, by making judgment uh, you actually kill uh, that person's uh, potential. Yes, we are always making judgments. Making judgments is not being judgmental. We have to always make judgments. Being judgmental is you being overly critical and it is not helpful to you and to the other and harmful to the community.
making judgment is good, but you're overly critical that you kill the spirit of the other person and also the community. I mean, you can tell your children to study, but you're overly critical, you just kill the spirit or confidence in that person, then you are being uh, judgmental in that way. So you can make judgments and you can always criticize, but uh, when you're overly critical to the point of killing the spirit of the person or uh, the confidence, then that is being judgmental. And I think uh, Greg uh, Henrik, a professor of psychology at uh, James Madison University, uh, had a helpful kind of uh, comment on the judgmental attitude. Someone is being judgmental when their judgments are power-driven, unempathetic, based on their own idiosyncratic values or tastes, overly based on other people's character, and are close, shallow, and pessimistic, and ultimately have the consequence of making the other person feel problematically diminished. That is being judgmental. Uh, when you even when you criticize somebody, uh, you can uh, uplift that person, and so that person understand and then uh, improve themselves. So, in other words, that criticism always has to go with love. But as a powerful person, to the powerless person, you are this and you are that, and then uh, at the end you feel so diminished. Uh, at the end of it, and you don't have any confidence or whatever, then that becomes judgmental. You become uh, judgmental in that way. So uh, being judgmental doesn't mean that you cannot make judgments. Uh, you can always make judgments, but what you do uh, to that person, why you are doing it. Are you doing power struggle uh, in this case? Or are you trying to really help, uh, help that person? Even if you are trying to help, help that person, uh, the motive is good, but is your method the best way? Yelling and all that stuff. Is that the best way to really help that person? So not only the motive, but how you do it, method uh, of uh, your, uh, what you're doing. So all these things need to be uh, considered, and then uh, whether you're judgmental or not has to be uh, determined. Do you understand what I'm saying about judgmental and making judgments? Those are two different things. Uh, so Paul is not saying that not to make judgment. Uh, Paul is saying, don't be judgmental. Any question on that? Did it help, that group? Yeah? Okay. So judgmental attitude can break up the community, and it can be quite harmful. The community and many communities uh, have been broken because of judgmental attitude of the people. Uh, and unfortunately, many Korean churches broke up because of judgmental attitude. And I've I've visited so many churches that broke up, but one common thing is they always use the scripture. <laughs> when they judge each other, yeah. they always use the scripture. They're always using uh, some kind of piety to judge each other. 
So scripture and piety became weapons of their judgment. So when the law is combined with sin, it becomes deadly weapon. Uh, so one congregation here sing hymns, right? And the other group over there pray out loud. And then they, that's how they uh, fight, Christian fighting. Christian fighting. <laughs> so I hope that we have a mature and better understanding about judgment and attitude. But being critical, having a critical thinking is very important. Uh, we need to continuously do that. But when you do it to a degree where, where that person feels so diminished, then you have to think about whether you're gonna, you, you will continue that. So Romans 14, 13 to 23. So one paragraph. And Ruth, you're chosen to read. <laughs> yeah, whole thing. Paul basically agree with those who are strong in faith. Uh, Paul does not, uh, Paul uh, believes that uh, for those who drink and, uh, and eat meat, uh, there's no problem. And then uh, for the Lord, there's nothing uh, really sinful uh, about it. But Paul does not like the judgmental attitude of those who are free to eat meat or drink wine. Uh, Paul sided theologically with them, but somehow Paul is siding pastorally with those who are weak rather than uh, with the strong. Paul is telling us to use freedom out of love. Don't use freedom for your sake. Use freedom out of love. If you're free to eat meat and drink wine, then you should be also free not to eat meat and drink wine. If that stumbles 
somebody else. Uh, that's not that important for you to keep that. I think that is a wonderful freedom Paul is talking about. Freedom to restrict yourself. Freedom to imprison yourself. Freedom is within you. Even the imprisonment cannot make you not free. That was the kind of freedom Paul had. Even in the prison, uh, he had uh, total freedom. Mohammed Fadel Fahmi, uh, imprisoned in Egypt uh, prison since December 29, uh, 2013. Uh, he got a World Press Freedom Award. And in the prison, he wrote a full letter and smuggled out of it and then gave to this uh, press uh, award uh, ceremony. Uh, and then just part of it, I uh, uh, took it out from that. Uh, prison is designed to control prisoners and eradicate your individuality. If one allows oneself to become cynical and scarred behind bars, then the jailer has won. In other words, I have a freedom. Even though I'm in the prison, I have a freedom not to be scarred and not to be cynical. I still believe in uh, humanity. When you are uh, hurt some, uh, by somebody so much, Sometimes you lose faith in people. But uh, if you do that, then you become victims. Uh, now you, are, you have a freedom to still trust people and trust God. So sometimes at first you become an obedient person because you feel you're weak. A lot of women, oh, you're supposed to obey and this and that. So you do that. And after a while, you become empowered. And when you feel empowered, you get really angry uh, at everything uh, that has oppressed you. But after that, when you become so empowered, then now you can even choose uh, let it be. But not in the same way. But uh, you have bigger uh, freedom to be able to teach them, guide them, help them see uh, what they do. So this process, at first you're doing uh, because you're blind, second you're in power, you see, you get angry, and the third time, you know, uh, uh, you can let it uh, go in some ways, you know, in an empowered uh, way. So a lot of times we become slaves to other people and servants to other people, not because we are forced to do so, but in freedom, we choose to let them uh, be. And then ultimately, they will understand uh, the servantship. So, now at this time, discuss together what kind of freedom Paul is talking about. The, what I just discussed, uh, uh, tell, told you about freedom, I want you to discuss, discuss together what kind of freedom is Paul talking about. And Thomas, can you join this group if you can, please? I mean, Paul's understanding of freedom. Uh, when we uh, talk about freedom, uh, we are thinking about uh, doing, uh, free to do whatever I want to do. Uh, that is the kind of freedom that we are thinking about. But the freedom to restrict yourself, freedom to uh, imprison yourself, 
freedom to be a slave? Uh, what kind of freedom uh, is that? That is uh, kind of uh, things that we are struggling with and exploring together. So, uh, Jisoo, can you share some of your <laughs> That was good, yeah. That really touches the core of this, free, this freedom. This freedom is not in the thinking. This freedom is from love, actually. It's experiencing God's grace, experiencing God's love. And then, then you are a beloved child of God. When you are so deeply ingrained in that uh, identity, in that love, and from there, freedom is a result of it. It's not that you want to be free, but you are so uh, captivated by that love, and that love gives you freedom and confidence. So freedom, confidence, and love, they all together. There's a work together. In that way, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're free or imprisoned, whether you're this or that, now you're free. That's why Paul said, I learned to be content in whatever circumstances, whether I'm plenty or in want. I can do all things who can strengthen me, in him who strengthens me. That is freedom. I can do all things. In other words, I can take all things in him who strengthens me. When you have that confidence, that, that freedom, is a, you know, so when you're rich, thankful. But when you lost everything, still you have freedom to move on. Right? Yeah, so it doesn't depend on your circumstances in that way. So anything else you want to add? The idea of freedom. salvation for we think of Christ's salvation for us as Christians we think we're saved and we might compartmentalize other people who aren't saved as others mm. um, but I mean in this chapter we, it says straight out it says Christ died and lived again for the dead and the living so meaning you know those who don't know Christ and those who do mm. and I think um, for me personally it's like when I try anytime to share in gospel or asking someone to come to church, right? Um, it sounds like a cop-out, but I say to them, I go, I don't know what God's going to do. <laughs> I don't know what 
I'm not going to be able to say anything to convince you to come to church or experience something, but I don't know what's going to happen. But just come, <laughs> right? And then, you know, the God's grace and confidence and freedom that I have, just, just come. Hopefully you come. And then God's going to take care of it. God's going to um, pour out his grace and love on, on that person. And I think that's, for me, I think being, I mean, the joke is I'm the pastor's <laughs> I think for me, it's like finding a place in in that ministry. Yeah. Is uh, it's, it's, I, I I I'm a little bit proud. I feel like I'm trail, trailblazing, right? Just trying to figure out what how what the role is there. But I think if all I do is just invite people and then leave leave it to God's grace, then I think that's that's all I can do. And I think I have freedom in that, and knowing not not having to have a defined role. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. At all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. In that way, uh, it's a freedom, and also the result. We try our best, but the result is not in our hands, and that's also freedom. The result is not in our hands. That person, what happens to that person, is not in your hands. And you'll pray for that person, and you try your best to help that person uh, meet Christ and all that. But ultimately, that person's uh, end, how do I know? You leave it in God's hands. And that is a freedom. All I can do is, I don't become their savior. Sometimes following that is also part of freedom too. Following that, uh, you're free enough to be able to follow along with that. Uh, but you know, so freedom is a funny thing. It's not just one uh, face. It is uh, also many different faces. And, yeah. Any other? Maybe you have something to say. <laughs> Your face looks like I have something to say. I, I was just thinking about um, the word equanimity. What? Uh, equanimity? Equanimity. Yeah, okay. That, what that says to me is uh, a strength that you have not to be swayed, let's put it that way, uh, by the judgment Over dead 
mean, so in that sense, it's not easy though, right? Uh, because, uh, uh, as Yang uh, Wei said, if you're not going to conform to certain role, uh, there will be consequence. But you're free to be you. But also, even if you follow a law, there is also uh, all kinds of consequences. So, St. Paul said to Jews, I become like Jew. To Gentiles, I become like Gentile. It's not, he's not saying that he's wishy-washy. Well, he's not saying that he, he doesn't have backbone. It's not that, he's not saying that he's opportunist to go, you know, this group or that group. But he has freedom to move back and forth. Because he knows what is more important. He, he won't lose his identity in a way, uh, in that sense. Identity as God's child. That he can, these uh, things are not that important. It's important, but it's not as important as that. So you know that, so you can move along. But if yourself is so important, then you, you can't be free uh, there. Uh, because yourself is so strong. And so uh, when you only die to yourself uh, in Christ, then uh, in a way you can have that freedom. So not necessarily is an easy road. Uh, Jesus was truly free, but the cost was the cross. We can't do that. Uh, we are not as free as Jesus in that sense. I mean, Jesus should not have spoken what he has spoken to the Pharisees. If he, wa he wanted to save his life, you know, he was just doing that. And then at the end, the result is, of that freedom is, was a cross. But that's very hard, uh, right? So freedom cannot be easily earned, uh, in, in, in a way, a little bit, uh, I mean, there's a cross. Okay, uh, 15, 1 to 6, uh, let's finish. Chisu, uh, can you read it, please? And Paul, at the end, he's saying that we who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Paul defines who the really strong are. They are not the ones who have strong opinions. They are the ones who put up with the failings of the weak. They are not the ones who have superiority complex, 
who knows only to please themselves, but they are the ones who know how to embrace the faults of the weak. That is a sign of true strength. You know, it's connected with freedom. That uh, you are strong, but your strength doesn't oppress other uh, weak people. Your strength rather embrace the faults of the weak ones. That is really the sign uh, of the strength. So very different understanding uh, of the strength. Uh, so that's how Paul uh, so those who are strong in the Lord who experience the power of God's righteousness and power of God's grace uh, will have to embrace the faults and weaknesses of the weak. Uh, and in that way, uh, result, the result is uh, the harmony and reconciliation. So self-righteousness leads to division, but true righteousness leads to true uh, harmony and reconciliation. All right, uh, that's the end of Roma study. Thank you very much. Uh, we are proud to you for a difficult uh, journey together, but uh, I'm sure that uh, Paul's message has a very, very strong implication for all of us. So let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the power of grace. How difficult it is for us to let ourselves go. How difficult it is for us to be free from our self-righteousness. How difficult it is not to have judgmental attitude. May your grace be powerfully working within us so in our brokenness there may be true power of your grace. As St. Paul said, when I'm weak, I am strong. When I'm weak, God is strong. Help us, O oh Lord, to always have God's grace within us. Bless this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Just, uh, just wanted to say kind of on behalf of everyone here, like, um, we're so blessed to have you uh, lead us through these uh, weeks of uh, uh, teaching us and uh, just on behalf of everyone. Okay. So I think we're, we're going to take a break now, right, for a few weeks, and then we're going to uh, pick the, the Friday night things uh, later in a few weeks. But um, we'll announce uh, when, when when that time comes. But so we just appreciate everybody for uh, um, gathering together and uh, joining us in this. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.